Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. If you're a regular listener of this program, you may have noticed that we didn't publish an episode last week. As I'm sure you're all aware, on the day that we usually record, the Supreme Court of the United States issued a ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade and effectively ended Americans' right to abortion in more than half of the country, including here in Oklahoma. If you want to learn more about the specifics of Oklahoma's abortion laws, including the four new ones that were added this year, I encourage you to go listen to episode 210 of our program, which is called Why So Many Abortion Bans, uh, that we published just a few weeks ago, I think on May 29th. Uh, It features an interview with Tamaya Cox-Touré, who is the executive director of the ACLU of Oklahoma and co-chair of the Oklahoma Call for Reproductive Justice. Now, while this Supreme Court ruling was expected because the decision was leaked a few months ago, I think the reality of it actually happening has left millions of people feeling heavier, angrier, and more despondent than I think many of us anticipated. The ruling is unequivocally harmful to every person who can become pregnant and honestly to our society at large. American women, including my own daughters, are now growing up in a world where they have more at risk and fewer rights than did their mothers or their grandmothers. This ruling will have a disproportionate impact on black and brown communities and people who are in poverty. Abortion is still legal in many states, but that doesn't mean it's accessible. Thousands of people who will need abortions are now unable to get one. And in addition to this ruling's overt harm, it's remarkable for a number of other reasons. The contemptuous tone taken by the author, Justice Samuel Alito, for example. Also, the fact that several members of the court that approved this have been credibly accused of sexual harassment and were appointed by a president who was also credibly accused of sexual assault. Or that nearly all of the justices, when asked during their Senate confirmation hearings if they would overturn Roe v. Wade, all stated that they would not agreeing that Roe was settled precedent. And yet, here we are. And then, you know, there's the concurring opinion on this that was written by Justice Clarence Thomas, which openly advocates for the overturning of precedent set by three other Supreme Court cases, Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell, which provide protections for access to birth control, consensual sex, and same-sex marriage, respectively. Now, Justice Thomas is regarded as one of, if not the most conservative justice on the bench, and these type of comments should give all Americans a reason for serious concern. This kind of approach that he takes, often called originalist or textualist, is dangerous to the American way of life because it implies that every right and privilege that is conveyed to us by legal precedent, but not specifically outlined in the Constitution, is now at risk. And I don't need to tell you there's a lot of precedent that we all take for granted because it has been settled for years or even decades. That was the case with Roe, and that is the case with a number of other issues. Now, a Abortion isn't 
just a partisan issue, though it certainly has a partisan line. At its core, it's a power issue. People of all political affiliations need and receive abortions every year. The issue at hand is about who has the power over women, who gets to make decisions about their health needs, about what happens to their bodies, about their freedom and independence and autonomy. The people opposed to abortion have been very open that this fight is not about science or reason. It's about values. Public policy is rooted in values, and sometimes values do cut across partisan lines in ways that we don't expect. But we don't usually talk about our values with one another. We usually just talk about the policies. Why is that? I, I think what helps me understand this is to borrow and perhaps extend an analogy from my friend Eric Liu, who's the founder and CEO of Citizen University and the author of several books, including one called The Gardens of Democracy. And if we consider our democracy to be a garden, our values are the soil and policy is the flowers and the fruit that grow from that soil. We then are all gardeners tasked with maintaining this garden. When someone talks about their garden, the conversation is usually about the plants, the beautiful roses, the juicy tomatoes, and the health that this garden brings to the entire local ecosystem. But they rarely talk about what makes the garden grow, and that's the soil. They don't mention the months of hard work it took to prepare it, the hours they spend every week watering, pruning, weeding. The soil is what nourishes the plants, just as our values are what generate good public policy. In Oklahoma, there are roughly 3 million eligible voters. Only about 2 million are actually registered to vote. And of those, only about 1 million actually turn out to vote, which gives us the lowest voter participation rate in the entire country. To use the garden analogy, it's like having three acres of land for a garden, but only plowing two of them and then only planting seeds in one and arguably only watering half of that one. So just look at all of that potential garden that's available. Imagine all of the flowers and fruit that we might have. Of course, three acres is a lot of land to cover and without a plan, we're just at risk of trampling all over the garden and potentially messing up the seeds that our fellow gardeners have already planted. Now, what we need to do is divvy up the territory into manageable sections, assign gardeners to each section, and make sure that every team of gardeners on each plot of land has the tools and resources necessary to develop their parcel. Now, I'll tell you that here at Let's Fix This and uh, our C4 side, Let's Fix This Votes, we are working in collaboration with a team of organizations, both here in Oklahoma and nationally, to do just that, to develop our plot plan for our garden. We're identifying voters throughout the state who share our values, but have been ignored. Fertile soil that has been left fallow for far too long. Now, if you listeners are interested in becoming in a gardener here in Oklahoma, come on down. We need you. Now, 
tending the soil is hard work. And while we might see some plants that bloom quickly, the full beauty of the garden may not be visible for several years. We need you to commit for the long haul to help us make calls, knock doors, have conversations. This is an effort that's going to take a whole lot of us working together. And that kind of work is difficult and tedious and tiresome and immensely, immensely rewarding. We have the opportunity to tend to the soil in Oklahoma in a way that promotes the growth of the kinds of plants that benefit everybody, right? Um, you know, if, if you're interested, I ask you, please uh, go to our website, letsfixthis.org slash volunteer and sign up. Uh, we're a couple of weeks away from having the first opportunities uh, rolled out, but this is a long-term effort. I mean, we are looking at two years, five years, 10 years down the road and how that we can make sure that we are doing the best gardening we can do throughout the state. As a reminder, Tuesday's the primary election this week. Please, please, please go vote in whatever races you can vote. And we'll be back hopefully next week with a full recap of what happened during the elections and any additional fallout that's happened with uh, the remaining Supreme Court rulings that are becoming out uh, and help kind of make sense of this term, which has felt, I think, rather tumultuous for everybody. All right. Decisions are made by those who show up. Have a good week.